0: You're listening to a North Valley Church podcast. Thanks so much for joining. For more information and resources, you can visit us online at northvalley.org. Thank you. Check, check, check. All right, good morning, guys. Good to be with you. If you've got a Bible, you can open it up. We're in the Old Testament this morning. We're going to be looking at the book of Numbers. Everybody say numbers. Numbers. There you go. We're going to look at some numbers this morning. Um, This is Vision Sunday. Uh, I remember years ago, some 12, 13 years ago, my brother and I drove out here to the North Valley. We went hiking back here. um, And it was probably something like this, like this kind of weather. And we had no idea that, you know, basically it's 260 degrees. So, um, and people say, you know, um, but it's a dry heat, but still you die, you know. (laughs) And so we're back there hiking and we get lost and we didn't have water. And all this stuff. And literally, my brother is coming from Montana, praying about planting the church. And he's like, Ryan, if we don't find a shade tree, I don't know if we're going to make it. And so here we are. I don't know if you've ever been out in the desert before, but hiding behind a swarrow. (laughs) You're like looking for the shade. If you're looking for shade of a swarrow, something is wrong, you know. Uh, So here we are out there trying to find shade from the swarrow and we find it. And then. We've encountered, I didn't know, there was Africanized killer bees out there. That we didn't know there was this thing called jumping choya. We didn't know there was rattlesnakes everywhere. Uh, man, it was quite an event in exploring that. And then out of all that, it was so amazing. We're driving around this area and I told my brother, I said, I feel like God has a special peace and a blessing on this North Valley. Because we went east, west, uh, we went south, we went everywhere. And he was, my brother was like, like, how, how could that experience come to this place of thinking this is it? And it's neat to see over the years how God has blessed the North Valley. And I think we're finally in a season where, you know, I said from the beginning, the first 10 years of a church is like the startup phase because so many churches fail. And you're just starting up. And in our first 10 years, we… Uh, built a staff team. And we um, uh, saw a lot of people come to faith in Christ and baptized and moved five or six different times in that first 10 years. And then um, kind of landed on a location, started building it up, uh, established and strengthened our ministries and our missions and all our teams. And then this second 10 years, we just celebrated 10 years last September, I believe it's the build-up phase. And it seems appropriate for that, you know, building up on ministries and missions it seems appropriate because you're kind of getting into a rhythm and a culture and understanding the church and understanding the community and understanding the, the key significant cultural pieces of it. And so that's the phase that we're in, the build-up phase. Uh, my wife's like, well, what's the third phase the, the, the last 10 years? I'm like, that's the blow-up phase. She's like, you might want to change that part. Uh, but, but it's a, it, this second 10 years is a buildup phase. It's a building up of all of our ministries. It's a building up of all of our mission programs. And so this morning, um, I come to you, uh, after really a, a friend of mine, um, if you were a community group leader, you were in a meeting with me not too long ago. He came, uh, a missionary friend of mine. I was, uh, pray, prayerfully years ago pl- about planning on or prayerfully pursuing church planting with him in Madrid, Spain. He came and visited me and uh, said, Ryan, I see everything that's going on and the amount of vision that you guys have and all, there's no way it's going to happen without you equipping an entire army. And I thought, how appropriate of an analogy, an army and building up a lot of um, men and women in the faith to really empower uh, for ministry and missions. And so today we're going to look at a passage, Numbers chapter 11, verse 16 through 17, it's in the Old Testament. It's at the beginning of your Bible. It's in, within the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. The book takes its name from numbering men of war. Um, so when you wonder where did the word numbers come from in, for that name in the book of your Bible, it comes from um, senses that were made. It was two years after the nation of Israel had left Egypt. They had been delivered out of Egypt. And in chapters 1 through 4, there's a census. And then later, 26 and 27, there's another census. And these are… these are numbering into the 600,000 able men in war. And so, that means literally like there's a million plus people, men, women, and children in the wilderness journey. If you're going to travel to Israel with me uh, in the spring… Um, This is is the land that they're moving towards, the promised land. It is this inheritance that God had called them to. And Numbers is really a book about a wilderness book. Uh, If you like the wilderness, Numbers is a wilderness book. It's a a book about the Israelites wandering throughout the wilderness. And unfortunately, they complain a lot uh, about the wilderness. And um, this is where... um, you know, it's very interesting to see the, the lifestyle of what happens in uh, this time frame. These folks are literally they're wanting food that they perhaps had back in Egypt. They are uh, missing some of the luxuries, perhaps, in Egypt, but they're for- forgetting about that they didn't have freedom. Uh, they were in bondage. They were slaves, and they're complaining a lot to Moses, and Moses' task is overwhelming, and he's being exhausted. And uh, the vision that God had given Moses is so um, powerful and strong, but there's no way Moses can do it. And now I'll circle back to my friend from Spain. He came in and said, Ryan, you need to do the Moses method. You got to equip more men and women to help involve yourself, involve them in ministry. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at this, what I'm going to call the Moses method and uh, Numbers 11, 16 through 17, what we're going to see is that in chapter 11, these, all these individuals, um, many people are starting to complain a lot. They've been in bondage for, uh, for in years past, but they're forgetting to see God's faithfulness. They're complaining a ton. They're longing for free food, but they've forgotten about that Moses gave them freedom, that God had ultimately used Moses to give them freedom. Uh, they're complaining. And Moses gets so frustrated that he basically says uh, in verse 15, he says, Lord, just take me out. Like, I'm done. These are really not my people. These are your people. Uh, You know, you put me here to to lead these people. Um, Moses cries out to God. And then by God's gracious intervention, um, God intervenes to Moses' life and says, look, this is going to work out. But here's what you need to do. Numbers chapter 11, verses 16 through 17. Then the Lord said to Moses, gather for me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. And bring them to the tent of the meeting and let them take their stand there with you. And I will come down and talk with you there And I will take some of the spirit that is on you and put it on them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you so that you may not bear it yourself alone. You may not bear it yourself alone. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you use this text to be the springboard for the clarity and understanding of the importance of, Lord, that you call us to significant levels of ministry and mission for this coming year. Uh, Thank you, God, for your intervention into the life of leaders. Uh, Moses is just one case study among thousands and thousands and thousands over generations, Lord, where you've intervened and said, we're going to work this out. Lord, build up your church for the good of everybody here and all that would ever come, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said… The Moses method. God says to Moses five different things. Look in the text, verse 16. He says, gather what? Okay, let's try that again. He says, gather what? Men. Let's try that again. He says, gather what? There you go. He says, gather men, gather for me 70 men. We don't know a lot about these 70 elders. Moses called, uh, was, was called by God and God's going to support him. There's an intervention. Moses is burning out. And then God says, okay, Moses, here's what you're going to do. You're going to gather 70 men. These aren't just regular men, though. These are elders. And you may… The word elder is only mentioned twice in the Old Testament, um, in this chapter and then in verse 24. Um, But most likely what it seems to be, if you look back at the text, verse 16, gather for me 70 men of the elders of Israel whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Uh, Most likely, these were individuals that had high levels of leadership back in Egypt that were working, in a sense, over the slaves, um, over the people that were working for Pharaoh. And so, uh, they had had some skills, some organizational leadership, and first Moses says, you better go gather those men. Number two. He says, give them authority. Verse 16. He says, verse 16, bring them to the tent of meeting. You may say, well, what kind of authority is that? Well, the tent of meeting was the place where God would show up and speak to Moses. And anybody standing by that tent would have an incredible sense of um, uh, privilege and uh, special access I mean, God would speak to Moses and they, they would overhear anything that was being said. These are the people that would have a special level of authority. God would meet Moses face to face in this place and these men standing by would be signaled and be a sign of authority. They were to keep guards of those who would come in or come out uh, that would be nearby in that area. Uh, they perhaps could hear what's being said. And number three, we see that they will be anointed, verse 17. God said, hey, listen, Moses, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take some of the Spirit. It says, I'll take some of the Spirit that is on you, and I'm going to put it on them. I'm going to take some of the Spirit that's on you, Moses, and I'm going to put it on them. Um, It's a very special thing. I mean, Moses' life was marked by supernatural work. I mean, Moses' leadership is marked by humility. The guy stutters, he's got anger issues. He doesn't have all of the natural gifts and skills that you would think that are necessary to lead, literally millions of people, out of a, one of the most powerful nations of its time, but God does. And God says, "I'm going to put some of that spirit that's on you. I'm going to put it on them." Uh, later, if you look down in the text in verse 25, these people, the Spirit's going to empower them. They're going to receive supernatural power to be prophesying. And others start getting insecure about the level of influence these individuals have. And Moses is a very secure person. He's like, I'm glad it's happening. I'm glad God's Spirit is working because we need supernatural help. Number four, we see that God says to Moses, you better give them responsibility, verse 17. And they shall bear the burden of the people. What's the job of the leader? You're to be like a a heavy, strong pickup truck that you load up really hard. And when you load that big three-quarter ton up, that one ton, guess what? That whole ride gets smoother. When that truck is driving around a three-quarter ton or a one-ton and it's got nothing in the back, no burdens to bear, that's the worst truck to drive around. It'll beat you to pieces. It's not designed for that. Uh, Godly leaders are designed to carry a load. They're designed for that. The, The Christian is supposed to bear one another's burdens. That is the Christian. We're called to bear one another's burdens. God says, they shall. He doesn't say, verse 17, they might, or hopefully, or let's ask. He just says, they shall bear the burden of the people. I bet Moses is like, hallelujah, because he's worn out. Um, There's some 600,000 fighting men. That means there's well over a million people, including women and children. This was an incredible responsibility for the people. Number five, God's going to tell Moses, you're going to give them ownership. He says, they shall bear the burden of the people with you so that you may not bear it yourself alone. Um, There's a sense of ownership now that they feel, I'm sure, when Moses has told them that. Here's what's going to happen. God spoke to me. Here's what he said. You're going to have to help me to do this, and you're going to be with me. Um, That sense of ownership is important. Nothing gets done unless people move from realizing that they have to take ownership for what's going on. Um, Moses wouldn't be alone anymore. Now people are standing beside him. They're empowered by the same Spirit. They're given incredible responsibility. They're given authority. These people have been anointed. These men have been anointed, and now there's ownership. That is what God's choosing to use to advance His kingdom agenda. What are the lessons in application for North Valley? Number one, I would say as a church, we are intentional to reach men. Uh, We are extra intentional to reach and empower men for ministry and missions. Um, As a church, we challenge our men to lead in the home, lead in the church, lead in their workplace. We believe that God's called the man to be the head of the household according to scriptures. He's ultimately responsible for the success. Listen, men, this is very important. You're ultimately responsible for the success or the failure of your home. You really are. You're, you're ultimately the one that I would come to and say, here's what the Bible says, just so you know, you're the head of the household. You're the head of the marriage. So anything good, anything bad, I look at you. You say, why do you do that? Well, because that's what the scripture does. So that, that's why we do that. Um, God chose to call these men into that level of leadership. We believe that God's called the man to be the head of the household He's ultimately responsible for the success or failure. Men are given responsibilities to serve their spouse, listen to me, just as Christ is called to serve and sacrifice his life for the church, so is the husband called to serve and sacrifice his life for his bride. Uh, They're to engage in church, they're to be intentional, and we rely on godly men in this church to be the primary leaders for couples' community groups. We rely on godly, qualified men to serve Uh, honor as pastors and elders. That is the biblical pattern throughout Scripture. Ephesians 5, 1 1 Corinthians 11, Colossians 3, 1 Timothy 2, Genesis 2, it's all there. God has called men to lead, not to sit back. Moses is this prominent figure throughout the Old Testament that God uses, and guess what his life is marked by? Faith, humility, and guidance. Uh, elders in the New, in the New Testament, that mentions the appointment of elders and overseers within the early church. These are men that have been tasked with providing spiritual guidance, uh, correction, protection, oversight, pastoral care for the church. Uh, leadership is characterized in the New Testament for men as being uh, wise, integrous, and a heart for the, the church. Um, if I was not a pastor, I'd still be a churchman. I'd, I'd be like you, very actively involved and engaged, caring for the needs of the church. The Bible says as well for family, that the man is to be leading in the family. Ephesians 5.23 describes husbands as the head of the wife, just as Christ is the head of the church. And you've heard perhaps that if the, if the husband is the head, then the wife is the what? Neck. The neck. I don't like that. Because the neck implies that there's manipulation, Right? because the neck can go, well, hey, head, turn over here. Um, And it really is actually kind of a little bit of a jab at a lady to say, basically, you're a manipulator and you control your husband because, right, the neck does control the head. The Bible actually describes more so that the wife is like a crown on the head to be cherished, to be showed off, to be uh, prized. And so, um, the biblical imagery here in the New Testament for the men is that God calls the man to take an initiative, and that he's to serve, and there's a design. Um, and men have to do that here in this church. You have to realize where, if you're, if you're going to be here and you're a member of the church, then you will be challenged to lead in your household. And ladies, if your husband is not leading as he should, you should say, hey, we need to talk to a pastor or a friend if you're not getting it fixed. Um, So what about women? Well, women throughout the Scriptures, modeled by Jesus and the apostles, have incredible roles of influence. Women serve in leadership roles throughout ministry and missions. At our church, from paid to unpaid, we have coordinators, directors, all involved in advancing the kingdom work of God. Uh, The only titles that we would reserve would be pastors and elders for, for men because that's what the Bible says. It doesn't mean that they can't work as coordinators and directors and whatnot. What about in the New Testament? Uh, Women in the Bible, there's Mary Magdalene. She plays a significant role in the early church uh, in Christianity. She's the first to proclaim the risen Christ to the apostles. All the men are failing. They're afraid and they're in hiding. And Mary Magdalene is the one who's spiritually receptive and passionate enough to say, wake up, guys. Hey, Jesus is alive. And throughout Scripture, women are used greatly by God. Priscilla, along with her husband, Aquila. And it's always mentioned Priscilla and Aquila, prominent early Christian uh, leaders in the New Testament, leaders filled with faith, worked closely with the Apostle Paul, instructing and guiding other believers. Then there's Junia. She's recognized among the Apostles um, for her faithful service and spreading the gospel. She's mentioned by Paul as saying she's outstanding. She's a woman of faith and plays a vital role in the early church. All of that, you just need to know. But what is a distinctive of our church? That we will take extra priority to engage those men because by nature, men, you are passive as a result of the fall. I am passive as a result of the fall, as a result of sin. And so God's called you to be a head of the household, a leader among leaders, And you are called to that, but you will not do that unless you deal with sin, deal with passivity, and you need churches to engage and help mobilize and and strengthen you. And you do not become a domineering man, chauvinistic, egotistical. No, you become the master paradigm of uh, a servant leadership. And your greatest model is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Ladies, if you like that, clap, please. That's the kind of man you need. That's the kind of man you need. And and men, what I would say is most of the ladies want that out of you. So just fan that flame, ladies. Pray for that. Push that. Get them around other godly men. Number two for our church, authority is given at this church. Every single one of you are ambassadors of Jesus Christ, men and women. Um, 2 Corinthians, uh, Corinthians 5.20 uh. The Apostle Paul describes Christians as ambassadors. Ambassadors serve as representatives to their country. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you need to know that you have authority through this church as an ambassador for Jesus and His church called North Valley. Um, You have a special empowering, a blessing as being a part of a church as God's blessing and favor is on you, you serve as a representative. You're to share the gospel. You're an ambassador for Jesus Christ. You share, you model Christ-like behavior. Everywhere you go, you're on kingdom agenda. You have authority given to you. The Bible says that every spiritual blessing has been given to you as a believer in Jesus Christ. At this church, we give authority to our team um, of volunteers. Uh, We give authority to them to operate as ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're to model Christ-like behavior, to promote unity in the church. You're to engage in levels of service. You're to exercise authority, though, listen to me, not out of uh, simply truth, but truth and grace. You're to exercise authority of the church, but you're to do it with love and humility. Um, The Bible tells us not only have we been appointed to this, but we've also been anointed. The third thing I want to point out to you is that uh, being a part of this church and incorporating this Moses model, you need to know you've been empowered by the Spirit. You've been empowered by the Spirit of God. Earlier, uh, God had told Moses, listen, you get these people, you get them involved, just so you know the Spirit that's on you, it's going to be on them. Um, the good news as a believer is that you've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. Uh, As a believer, when you receive Christ, you're you're filled and you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Um, But what happens as a believer is you need to know that more power and more blessing can come out on you as a Christian when you are engaging in areas that require extra supernatural resources. So let me explain it like this. Um, If you look at the book of Acts, I'll just name a few references um, but these uh, believers are already uh, believers. The Scripture says in Acts one they're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on them. They're going to be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Without getting into all of the theological uh, uh, details there, here's what I want to point out. They are believers. They're being empowered by the Spirit. Why? Because they need the Spirit's help to go advance the church, to go is start churches, to be uh, ministers and messengers of God's good news. Acts chapter 4, after they're praying, uh, 431, after they're praying, the place where they're gathering, the place of the meeting was shake, shaking like an earthquake, and then they're filled up with the Holy Spirit, and it says so that they could go out and speak the Word of God boldly. What's going on? Believers are being empowered. Um, and then you look at the book of Ephesians, And this is more broadly for perhaps not just apostles, but more for all believers. Ephesians 3, the apostle Paul says, I pray out of the glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Or take, for example, in 2 Timothy, um, where the scripture says, for the spirit God gave us is not of timidity but it's of power and love and self-control. All of these verses highlight that the Holy Spirit empowers Christians for ministry and for missions. Um, you are empowered. Um, when you get into ministry and missions at this church, you're being empowered by God. Um, number four, I'd point out responsibility as members of the church. You're to be responsible. Uh, you have responsibility uh, to carry Uh, The Bible describes all throughout the Scripture, the New Testament, there's one body, there's many parts, that ultimately Christ is the head of the body, that is the church, that is the metaphor, uh, the analogy that's being used throughout the New Testament. Christ is the head. uh, He is the authority over the church. uh, He is the leader over the church. But as a church, we all have to operate like a body, hands, feet ears. The Scripture says there's ears, there's eyes, there's hands, there's feet, there's a mouth. And all of you play a part, and we are what needs to be known as, a, a, as being, having responsibility in the church is that we're to work uh, interdependently, not independently. Uh, we're to work together on teams. We have roles. Men and women have roles and responsibilities. And we're to work interdependent, not independent. Um, as a church member, uh, you have a responsibility to use your gifts, to serve, to attend, to give. This is your church. Uh, you should take ownership of it. Number five, I would say take ownership. Uh, take ownership of this church that is not uh, the pastor's church uh, or it's that church. No, this is your church. Um, That's what God had told uh, Moses what's going to happen, is that these people needed some ownership. They're going to be there with him. Uh, Lord willing, I'm with you um, for the next 20 years. But I want you to take ownership of the vision. I want you to take ownership of of being a part of this church. Um, How many of you have ever lived in a rent house? Would you raise your hand? Okay. Or how many… Yeah. Okay. How many of you uh, have owned a home before or something like that? Raise your hand. A bunch of you. Well, there's a difference between owners and renters. Owners typically think long-term. Renters think short-term. Um, owners take on big fixes. Renters usually do small fixes. Um, owners usually make it their own. Renters usually don't change much. Um, there's a big difference. And there's a difference in the church and the way your mentality is. If you're like uh, somebody who attends this church and you're like a renter, um, your thinking is probably very different than if you feel like you have ownership in this church. Uh, let me describe some of the differences, because I want you to have ownership. I understand if you're looking at different churches, you don't have ownership yet, and that's completely okay. You're our guest. We're glad you're here. However, if this is your home, it's your home. <laughs> you should have ownership. Uh, The renter mentality in church is very short-term. I don't know how long we'll be here. Um, We'll see what happens. We're not going to get involved that much. But the owner, if you have an ownership mentality, your mindset is we're going to be here till we die or we're going to be here a long time. Like this is our home. Um, If you have a renter mentality, you're probably very limited involved. There's very little personal investment. There's very passive involvement. There's really no long-term impact If you have that renter mentality in the church, if you show up week after week, month after month, year after year, and this is a church you just attend and experience the services and the experiences, it's easy to critique, but it's far different when you are investing your time, your talent, and your treasure, and now this feels like your home now you have a different mindset. You're very actively engaged. You're personally dedicated. And now the failure of the church or the struggle in the church feels like a struggle that maybe you feel because it's personal. Um, I've always said at this church, uh, uh, I think a biblical mindset, if we're going to use business as an analogy, is that we need to understand that we are in the service industry and that our job is working for the Father to share and show the love of Jesus Christ. Um, we're… God's business is the service industry. Uh, He sent His Son um, not to be served, but to what? To serve. Uh, We're in that business too. Our job is to share and show the love of Christ. And I think that job looks like a partnership. The Apostle Paul said it to the church in Philippi. In Philippians 1, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you… I always pray with joy because of your partnership. I think what happens in a church is it can become a customer, a consumer-minded culture where you just show up and you're like, I like this, I like that, I don't like this, I don't like that. But don't think like a customer if you are, if this is your church home. If this is your church home, think about yourself as a partner in ministry with God and with the church. And you may say, well, does God partner with people? Well, according to 2 Corinthians 6.1, believers are referred to as God's co-workers with God, emphasizing collaboration between man and God. So yes, you are a co-worker. You're working with God's kingdom agenda um, through the local church. So we want to call you to that. So what are some specific... Uh, plans or purposes for the church, vision Sunday. Here we go. I'm going to break it up into gather, grow, go. This is part of our purpose statement. Gather, grow, go. Let's say that together. Gather, grow, go. Gather. We gather to discover truth for life. Jesus is the truth. He is the life. There is no way to uh, salvation other than through Jesus Christ. What's our main gathering at Sunday mornings? Most people uh, that are assimilating into Christianity in North America, Sunday morning is their first experience or online. Um, So some key areas, vision for worship and audio-visual this coming year, Um, we're securing two worship leaders that will lead through the year. Um, One of those guys is Zach Bloom that led this morning. So let's give Zach a warm welcome right now. Another one of those guys is coming up, and so um, uh, we are going to have two because we're offering a Thursday night service as well, so they're going to share the the leadership in that. Um, We're needing more volunteers than ever in our audio-visual side. Um, We have hit some significant challenges like we've never faced before in the last 10 years with uh, audio-video, and we need help. So if you are at all inclined uh, towards that and you really don't want to spend a lot of time shaking lots of hands or saying hi to a lot of people, uh, we've got a special secluded place for you. Um, There's a few spots on our campus in our ministry where you don't have to like lots of people, you just need to be able to work with a few. our team does a great job. We're proud of them, but we need help. Uh, we do live streaming every, every week and uh, got a lot of different challenges and needs, and the team's doing a great job. So give them a big round of applause. They're here at 6 o'clock this morning. Uh, we're going to create a stronger culture of worship at this church. We're going to get more men to be more involved in singing. So, man, we're going to start assigning a, a singer police. He's going to walk around. If you're not singing, he's got a switch, and he's going to just hit you. And uh, and the the switch says sing. <laughs> I wish that would be so funny. Uh, 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 kids, and by the way, kids don't get paddled anymore at school. Now it's your controversial, you know, that I'll tell you stories sometime about paddles being broken back here. Uh, but but we're going to get guys to sing more. We're working on that. We're challenging all of our worship leaders and our teams to do that. Ladies, you, you can uh, try to get them to encourage them to do that as well. We love hearing your voices too, but we want to create a stronger worship environment. Um, worship is good for the soul. It's good for the body. Um, let the Lord know say, thank you. You know, just open up your heart and sing. Um, it's a blessing. Number two, I would say just in the gather area, vision for preaching, I'm going to continue to preach the gospel of John. I typically break it into five to eight week series, and then I'll take occasional breaks. I've been in the gospel of John for more than a year and a half now. Um, We're about halfway through, so you can do the math. Um, I'm going to teach through, I'm going to take a break, and I'm going to teach through the Song of Songs. Um, It's the book of love. Um, It's a great book. I've taught through it. This will be my third time in the last 11 years. And I'm going to teach through that uh, what the Book of Romans is for theology. The Song of Songs is for relationships. Um, It's a great book. Um, I'll always be faithful, uh, Lord willing. Uh, I have no plans to deviate, but this is my intent. I'll always be faithful to grammatical, historical, contextual, literal, and authoritarian intent of the Scriptures in my teaching and preaching. And if you're wondering what I just talked about just then join the Bible study methods class. I'm teaching a study on, uh, or teaching a class or workshop on Bible study methods. I'll tell you more about that. But I teach what's called life applicational expository preaching. For those of you that like expository preaching, you would probably say, I don't do a good enough job. For those of you that don't really know, you would say, hey, I like the way it is. Um, Life applicational expository preaching explains the text, explains the meaning, but then draws truths or principles for practical application. I do not teach at this church for information. I teach for transformation. I'm constantly trying to push you to change. I want to see you change. I want to see you grow in your faith. Um, We'll have guest preachers, gifted preachers. Uh, We'll have church planters, former senior pastors, mentors of mine that will come in and share in the preaching. Um, And then as well, In the area for our services, our next generation ministries are expanding as well. This morning, we have high school kids that are teaching for the very first time. They're in our guides program that have graduated through our program, and now they're teaching the kids right now. Let's celebrate that for a moment. This is is the first Sunday morning that that's happened where the high school kids are teaching the kids, and we're going to see more of that. That's our guides program. Um, We're expanding our team, all of our volunteers. We are expanding our efforts for fathers in the field uh, where we reach, uh, help reach out to uh, single moms that are coming through the community in our church and pairing them with godly qualified men in this church to serve as mentor fathers to these fatherless boys. This is a program that we're continuing to accelerate and continuing to invest into. Let's celebrate that for a moment. Um, we've hired new staff. Uh, pastor Nate, I'll introduce him this Thursday night. I want to encourage you to be there. Um, we're going to have an incredible time. You'll meet Pastor Nate and his wife after his service on Thursday. He'll also be back on Sunday for both services with his wife. want to encourage you to do that. He'll be the next-generation pastor, helping oversee and lead uh, students and kids. Well, what about the grow? I said gather, grow, go. In the grow area, we're adding new community groups. I'll serve as over all of the community groups. I'll be rotating to all of the community groups this year. So if I show up at your house, I promise I won't be uninvited. I'll ask for your, yes. can I come sometime? And then I'll show up, uh, not to monitor you, but just to be a minister for you. Um, we're adding new groups I want to encourage you to sign up for those. We'll be offering classes our first time in many, many years. We're offering Financial Peace University this year. We'll offer a number of other workshops and opportunities. We're offering Bible studies for men and women. Um, We'll be offering all sorts of uh, opportunities as well just for men to connect and to serve. Men, the best thing you can do to get connected to other men is jump on a ministry team, start connecting. I'm going to lead a Holy Land tour this year. This will be a life-changing opportunity. If you've never done the Holy Land, you should sign up. Um, All of the information's in the back. It's going to be a great growing year for you in your faith. Um, And then what about the go? Ministry and missions. Well, how are we going to make a difference? I'll tell you. This is the first year I can ever say we are working actively with four different churches some that have already started and some that are starting very, very soon. Mission Grove in Desert Ridge, Pastor John and them, we've invested into them financially. I serve as a coach for those guys. Um, They've got a brand new facility. So let's celebrate that right now. Um, You got Flatirons Church in the East Valley. We just sent a team down there. Pastor Brian, they did a huge kickoff, had uh, a large mega church that was nearby support them. And they had 700 people on their first service. Let's celebrate that. Um, there's Garden Church out in the West Valley. It's about to start. Pastor Nolan, a uh, great guy. We're excited about uh, working and seeing them launch. There's Orbit Church in the West Valley. Pastor Matt Rose, who's come and preached here. All of these churches, when you give, even out of the general fund, 1% goes back into starting and strengthening churches. Um, So we're going to continue to invest into that. Uh, We'll reach new people as well. Um, Beyond the 1%, we give over 10% towards giving to help fund and fuel local and global missions. On Thursday night, I do want to make some corrections for your uh, thoughts, perhaps. Thursday night, the primary purpose is to reach those who are not yet attending our weekend services. Let me say that again. The primary purpose of Thursday night is to reach those that are not yet attending our weekend services at North Valley or never will be able to because they're working or they're gone. Um, The secondary purpose would be to assist those that are traveling on the weekends, hunting, fishing, hiking, camping, biking. Great. I'm glad you're doing that. I love that. But that's the secondary purpose. It's not a uh, go play, uh, here's your free pass uh, service. Um, it's not a makeup service. It's not a class B service. It's not a review. It's not another preacher. It's not another sermon. It's, this, it's the same what you're going to experience. It's actually the first service of the week. Um, it's a full service, worship, communion, preaching. It's nearly identical as Sunday. Sunday. Um, it will be the first service of the week, and it's designed to reach people that cannot attend on the weekends. So what are some next steps? Here's what I'd encourage you. If you think like you'd like to be a part of a Thursday night service on a regular basis, if you think, "Man, that's something I think I would like to be a part of," then come this Thursday. This Thursday is going to be different. It's a preview service. We're going to do a lot of filming so that we can use it to promote out into the community. So I want to encourage you to come. We have food trucks showing up at 5.30. Come hungry. Um, If you'd like to check it out, please do and invite friends. Look for people that aren't able to attend on a Sunday and get them on a Thursday night. Um, We're not trying this out for like a couple of weeks. We're going to give it our best go, six months to a year. So we're, we're going with it. Um, Sunday. If Sunday's your main service, please stay here. Invite as many people as you can to join you. The crowd's going to change. The congregation's going to… it's going to be a little different. And so, with all that being said, um, as I promised on Vision Sundays or or a quarterly basis, what I want to do is give you a year-to-date update uh, financially. And some of you that are new to the church, this isn't for you. Um, This whole message is designed around those that call North Valley home or looking to call it home. Uh, year to date, I'll say in, we've got in the gray is the 2022. Um, really, this is January to June. I couldn't get uh, the July financials in time. Um, but January to June, um, you can see this looking back at 2022. We brought in 469,972. Uh, that was a great year. It was a great year for our church. We were really grateful. We had the most baptisms we've had. We had. Incredible year in giving and just a great year, 2023. Um, you can see less came in: four hundred thirty-five, one hundred seventy-three, four hundred thirty-five thousand, one hundred seventy-three. Um, that's a challenge, right? Because all everything, all the prices went up. It's not like things got cheaper in our country; everything got more expensive. And what's sad is that this church reacted as a result of that. It, People started adjusting all their giving. Oh shoot, gas is so expensive. Change how much we give to the church. Um, don't do that. I wouldn't. That's not honoring to the Lord. I know it's tough, but we didn't change our giving just because inflation hits. And so here's what you can see: 2022. Uh, look at our expenses uh, down at the bottom: four hundred um, and twenty-three thousand two hundred nine, and. That was our expenses, of course, with growth and all that had happened. uh, We increased our budget. Normally, we would increase our budget to like 20% a year. Uh, Last year, I think we increased it by like 10. So we were trying to be very fiscally responsible and conservative. Uh, 2023, though, uh, you can see our expenses are higher as a result, 461 and 608,000. And so that puts us at a deficit. We're behind right now as a church. This is very normal for many churches, but this is not normal for North Valley. This is not normal for North Valley. Normally, we are uh, well above and things are moving uh, and accelerating. So here's what I want to say to you um, with all that's going on. If you give nothing at this church, um, then start by giving something. You know, like if you never give, like, boy, I just say, I mean, help me out, church, right? Right. It's more blessed to what? Give than it is to? So just be a giver, okay? If you give nothing, give something. If you give something, give significantly. Take that next step. If you give significantly, I want to challenge you to give sacrificially. Um, That's what grace giving is called. That's what sacrificial giving is called. Um, Figure out what it looks like uh, to do that. And I just want to encourage you in that. Our giving goals is to end the year strong. Um, We want to continue to expand uh, for 2023. The goal will be uh, for this upcoming uh, year in 2023, we're going to try to end not just in the black, ladies and gentlemen, but an overwhelming surplus so that we can be prepped and ready to go this year in giving 2023, next year's giving 2024 for the year in. We're gonna set aside money for our campus development and we're gonna buy out the rest of that property right there. That's what we need to do. We have three acres up there. We own one third of that so we own an acre We need the rest of those. That's incredible value to the property. That's part of our master plan, but we have to end 2023 strong, and we need to go into 2024 strong and then finish that out as well. So here's what I want to ask you to do. We're going to pray for the Holy Spirit's help. We're going to pray for our own hearts. I'm going to invite the worship team up. We're going to take a few minutes uh, just to uh, have some prayer time, and then we'll continue on in our service with communion and some worship. So would you steady your hearts just for a moment? Um, Bow your heads with me and then um, let me pray. And then I'm going to ask you, whatever the Holy Spirit just kind of tugged on your heart about, just go back to him with that and talk to him about that. Um, Pray for our church. Pray for God's blessing and favor on our church. Pray for believers to be built up. Pray for seekers to respond to Jesus Christ and come to faith and be baptized. So I want to encourage you right now and pray, Lord Jesus, we come to you right now in this time of prayer, and we ask for your blessing and favor over our church for this upcoming ministry year, and use it for your glory in Jesus' name. Take a few minutes and just pray, and then I'll come back in just a minute. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to support North Valley Church by partnering with us through giving, you can do so by visiting us online at northvalley.org. Thanks, and have a great day.